Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Huckleberry uh, at the board. You never interfered with greatness on the guitar. This riff by Leonard Skinner, one of the all-time greatest performances in the history of rock and roll. By the way, uh, with Vinnie Madunio coming up at 5, 5 to 6, I wonder why Vinnie Madunio does not play this classic Leonard Skinner bit. I know Cousin Brucey uh, does not have that as part of his massive volume of offerings to you. Friday nights from uh, 6 to 10, nor does Tony Orlando without dawn. But yours truly, Curtis Slewa does. That's for sure. And the reason that I'm playing this classic riff is because this past week marked the anniversary I won a flight from Greenville, South Carolina to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The Leonard Skinner tour plane crashed into a heavily wooded area of Mississippi during a failed emergency landing attempt because they had run out of fuel. It killed the band members, Ronnie Van Zandt, Steve Gaines, Cassie Gaines, as well as the band's assistant road manager and the plane's pilot and co-pilot. But 20 others survived the crash. Now, you say to yourself, how did some survive and others die? Because if you've ever taken planes, people have a proclivity to not want to sit in the back. They want to sit in the front near the pilot or co-pilot. Well, guess what? If you sat in the front near the pilot or co-pilot, like Ronnie Van Zant, the heart and soul of uh, Leonard Skinner did, you died when it crashed in Mississippi. If you sat in the back near the tail, you survived. 20 survived and the others died. But we commemorate Leonard Skinner because even though they patchworked their way back on tour, never, never, never approached the greatness when Ronnie Van Zant was the leader of this magnificent group that could riff into the wee hours of the morning. And you never hear it on WABC, never. Except with courtesy or why? Because there is an image that they cloak themselves in the stars and bars, the flag of trees, and the Johnny Rebel flag. That's true, and I hate the Johnny Rebel flag. 
Well, you know, sometimes you have to separate your politics from the music, right? How many of you listen to Bruce Springsteen, yet you hate his politics? Okay? Do I make my point? Although, man, I remember when they were Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium. There wasn't a black person in that stadium of 65,000 for a Leonard Skinner concert. And if I were black, I don't think I would have been in that crowd either. But it was massive on a hot, sweltering day. It was a five-hour concert. But unfortunately, they crashed and burned. And now we're in the sprint run of this campaign. What is it, 19 days to go? How many hours? How many minutes? How many seconds? 19 days, I think. Maybe my calculus is off. And... Oh, wow. So, wait a second. Coming up, and we're going to spend our second hour getting into the uh, politics of the midterm election. We see Warner and Herschel. Herschel Walker down in Georgia. They're knotted up. It's like even Stevens. We see Dr. Oz and Fetterman knotted up. Uh, It's like even Stevens. In fact, they have their debate Tuesday night. The whole world will be watching if Fetterman can even function. And then, wait a second, we have to dust it off. It generally is played during the 5 o'clock edition here on WABC, Monday through Friday. It's the roundtable edition featuring uh, John Katsimatidis, our owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right, and his co-host, Lydia Serrani. Breaking news! Breaking news, WABC. Which suggests maybe that's why we need to get rid of the oldie moldy news at the start of the newscast. I've been saying this, complaining overnight. Listen, uh, you know, our newscast, a very nice lady. But that's like 72 hours old news. What the hell? It'll make me want to go to 1010 Wins or 880 CBS. Anybody listening out there? Let me do the freaking news. Oh, God. We have to have a professional newscaster here. That's right. Let's talk about Diwali. And, uh, oh, yeah, Brooklyn Queens Day. It's Brooklyn Queens Day that they're getting ready. That was like 72 hours before. By the way, Brooklyn Queens Day was a celebration of when they paved the roads between Brooklyn and Queens. No longer horse and carriage. It was the gas-guzzling engines. And has since become a gang initiation day. Okay, did I make my point? That would have been a great newscast right there, but that would have been oldie moldy news. Breaking news! Give me that breaking news sound sound bender again, so nice. Breaking news, WABC. That's right, I don't want to do it twice, because I'm so pissed off at this oldie moldy news that... How did we start a program, and I'm like cutting edge with stuff from 72 hours ago? But anyway, i got to figure this out. We'll talk about this in the 4 o'clock hour. Lee Zeldin was skyrocketing. In fact, internal polls indicated that he had not only caught Kathy Hochul in terms of the independents breaking his direction, which a Republican must have, must have independents, unaffiliated voters. There are more independents, unaffiliated voters in New York State than there are Republicans. Only Democrats supersede their numbers. So for some strange reason, Give me a little bit of time to put on my thinking cap. you got to understand, this makes no sense to me. Lee Zeldin was doing magnificently without debating. He has suddenly agreed to the one lone debate that he said he would never do before. He said it had to be five or none. And he will be 
facing off with Governor Kathy Hochul Tuesday night, October 25th, 7 p.m. at Pace University. It's the New York One debate, and the deck will be stacked against him. Errol Lewis, who I worked with for many years, would always give me a beatdown every week. The once a week I appeared with Herson Barrero. No friend of Lee Zeldin. And Susan Arbetter. I don't, I don't know her. Probably a person in all consequence. But you really think they're going to give Lee Zeldin a fair opportunity? Ixnay. This is New York one. I was there for 13 freaking years every week. Why, oh, why did he agree to this debate? He was doing so well without having debated. And it actually, he took the high road. He said, hey, there should have been five debates, not one debate. And especially on an outlet that is so pro Kathy Hochul. It has to be, there's only one reason. <clears throat> he's got internal polls that indicate that he's not getting more than 30% in New York City. He must get more than 30% of the vote in New York City. New York won, even though it has a radius throughout the state. It's a spectrum-owned station. They have their affiliate up in Albany. Really, its impact is in the five boroughs. And it's amongst Democrats, Democrat moderates, Democrat liberals, and progressives. So I'm thinking because they do internal polling like AM and PM every day in the waning days of a campaign, especially when it's as close as it is now. Remember, a month ago, he was 20 points behind. 20 points behind. He'd be lucky if he had a cup of coffee on November 8th, if they gave him a little bit of coffee cake. Now, he's cresting ahead. And when you crest up, you generally don't level off and go down. It's Hoku who has to put the brakes on because she's trending down. I don't understand this. I don't understand why the debate. From a tactical, strategical point of view, I would have advised Lee Zeldin, and we are friends. You know, I had supported Andrew Giuliani in the uh, combustible Republican uh, campaign primary, which I think actually strengthened Lee Zeldin, because before that he had, like, no life, no energy. Uh, he was uh, he was a very low-key congressman. Many of you know him over the years. And then suddenly he's coming into a, a life of his own the last two months. But I think... Because he was getting uh, batted and bruised by Josh Wilson, who poured a ton of money on him, Rob Astorino and Andrew Giuliani had toughened him up for the general election. And there he had a number of debates, and he didn't do well. Remember, he did not do well in the debates. I was at CBS. I snuck in. He was pissed off when he was walking in. I said, the guy's too hot. He's too hot. they got to calm him down. He went out there, and the, 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 the moderator... Said, okay, and then he went right at Josh Wilson. You freak. I mean, it was all downhill after that. And then, remember, I traveled up to Rochester. Make that Rochester for the debate of Newsmax. Boy, that we filled that place up. I don't think uh, the, old, uh, the old Kodak uh, building has been filled up since. Anyway, the place was packed. You had supporters for all four candidates. Rudy was right next to me. Rudy, I had to hold him back. He wanted to go on the stage. I should be debating. Calm down, Rudy. Calm down. And Lee did not do well in that debate. And there was one other debate. And you've got to watch it. He's got a hot temper. You can't be a hot-tempered guy with a woman on the stage. Remember Rick Lazio, better known as the uh, former congressman from the same 1st Congressional District, 
out there in Suffolk, same one that Lee Zeldin represents now. Uh, he substituted for Rudy Giuliani. Remember Rudy Giuliani? Boy, that would have been a heavyweight battle with Hillary Rodham Clinton for the U.S. Senate seat, vacated by half in the bank. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Patrick Moynihan, who by 11 o'clock in the morning had Rum Rouge and Jake Lake from drinking two bottles of white wine every day. You know, every day. So he stepped aside. Hillary went on her listening tour, and it was expected that Rudy would be running for the U.S. Senate seat. The whole world would have been watching that. The whole world would have been watching that. But because of prostate cancer, Rudy had to uh, had to say no. He was uh, sick at that time. And then Rick Lazio substituted. And remember, he was on the stage with Hillary. He walked over from the podium. He gave her the pay- It was over at that point. Over. I don't understand this. You're cresting up. Zeldin has been magnificent. I saw him yesterday in the South Bronx with the Reverend Ruben Diaz Sr. and the Hispanic Clergy Coalition, and they were coalescing behind him. He went to uh, Brooklyn, met with uh, West Indian Caribbean leaders in East Flatbush, Crown Heights, well-received. Then he went out to the Irish Riviera, the Rockaways, naturally well-received out there. And Whitestone Park, and the place was packed. Momentum was his. Why the hell are you going to debate Kathy Cronwave Holcomb and give her an opportunity to play the victim? It's a one-hour debate. This is what I would suggest. When he goes in there, since it's a Pace University, they got to ice him down, you know. Uh, he can't be schwitzing and sweating like a fighter ready to go in the ring or a horse ready to run. You know a horse is not going to win the race if it's sweating before it even gets into the gate. Got to take Prozac. I know it's a risk, but I would give Hot to Trot Lee Zeldin, who has a temper, I would give him Prozac, liquid Prozac before the debate. Look, you look, Mike Tyson lived on liquid Prozac for a while. That's what kept him out of jail. He didn't have it before a fight. Although he claimed he smoked blunts before fights. I find that very difficult to believe. But who knows with that loony kazuni from parts unknown. So I would suggest at Pace University, if I were in the green room, I would slip him a little Mickey, a little liquid Prozac, say, Lee, you got to be cool, calm, and collected. You can't be over the top. If you raise your voice, remember, Kathy Crime Wave Hochul is a shorty short. She's a munchkin lady. It's only like four foot eight. Now, it'll be interesting. Will they have her step up on one of those uh, sort of uh, fake boxes that Tom Cruise stands on or Alan Ladd, the... A former uh, actor used to stand on, or Paul Newman when he would do interviews, because those guys were like four foot six under an electron microscope. And Kathy Holcomb, I don't know if anybody has ever seen her. Man, you got to look down. She is a shorty short. And Lee Zeldin, he's eh, about my size. They get a little taller, maybe six one, six two. He will tower over her in the voters' minds. It's like George Pataki towered over. And people like the taller person. They really do like that, like with Donald Trump. They like the taller guy. I don't know. A candidate must have hair, and he must be tall. But when it comes to a lady, throw those rules out. A lady can sort of uh, crawl into a fetal position, not because she's afraid, but because 
she wants to be a victim in a debate. If a guy is over the top like Lee Zeldin was in his debates, well, maybe it was because of the testosterone in that room. Wilson, who we hated, Astorino, Andrew Giuliani, I get it. Man, they got to work him over. I know Lee Zeldin. I saw him in that green room at CBS. I mean, there was fire coming out of his nostrils. And he hadn't even, he hadn't even been in, in, in the area to see the debate format yet. Liquid Prozac, what do you think? Right? You just slip a little Mickey like they do in fights. Look, I've seen enough fights where all of a sudden the cut guy, you know, in the corner slips him a little Mickey. You know, it's an illegal substance. The uh, New York State Boxing Commissioner has no idea that it's taking place. I even pointed that out to Ray Kelly. Ray Kelly, who used to be the New York State Boxing Commissioner, where Madison Square Garden, I said, Ray, did you see the cut man slipped him a Mickey? Where? Where? I mean, man, our guy's all juiced up now. You're not going to. Now you have to take him in the back for a whiz test. He's dehydrated. You'll never be able to drug test him. So where am I going with all of this? Uh, Ray Kelly was a featured guest with John Katzmatidis earlier this morning, 8 to 10 every Sunday. He's got all the newsmakers. Before John asks his last question, it's already up on the New York Post website, the full interview, and it goes viral all across the nation, all across the world. And let's just say it didn't make uh, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, a happy camper this morning. We're going to get into that. Obviously, crime, big issue. In this campaign, the Oz Fetterman campaign, Herschel Walker Warnock campaign, I mean, every night in Atlanta. I know I have guardian angels there. First four stories have nothing to do with Warnock, nothing to do with Herschel Walker, neck and neck race. All about crime. All about crime. Because if it bleeds, it leads. Remember that. People are more interested in violent crime, you know, seeing the video, because now you get video. Years ago, you got no video, you got no photographs, you got ugax, you got bupkis. Now you get wall-to-wall video, and they play it over and over and over again. They go through 15 minutes of a normal broadcast, you see all these crazy videos, and then finally they give you an update on what's happening in politics. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And remember... It's the anniversary of the crashing of the plane carrying members of uh, uh, Leonard Skinner, especially the heart and soul, Ronnie Van Zant. There are going to be a lot of political campaigns you're going to see unravel in the next 19 days because they're not ready for prime time. Up next, the number one issue affecting this gubernatorial campaign now is crime. It wasn't before. But it is now, and that's why I can't understand why Lee Zeldin today decided he would go into the ring with Kathy Crime Wave Hochul, Pace University, uh, in the the Tiger's Cage, in which, actually, let me give you this example. When Lee Zeldin walks on that stage at Pace University with Errol Lewis and the New York One crew and Kathy Crime Wave Hochul, it's like a guy wearing pork chop pants walking into a cage of hungry Doberman pinches. Does that paint the picture for you? Is that theater of the mind right here exclusively on WABC?
No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Start my mission, leave my residence, thinking how I could I get some dead presidents. I need money. I used to be a stick-up kid, so I think of all the devious things I did. I used to roll up. This is a hole-up. Ain't nothing funny. Stop smiling. You still don't nothing move but the money. But now I learn to earn because I'm righteous. I feel great, so maybe I'll Yeah, you're righteous, right? Five percent and cut the crap. Eric B and Rakim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll save that for another program. But this song paid in full, and the way they got paid in full is to stick a toolie right in your head and say, your money or your life. And those are the kind of crimes that scare the bejeebers out of everyone, whether it's with a samurai, whether it's with a ship, or whether they just decide that like Dick Butkus, the middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears years ago, they're just going to bum rush you right into the tracks. Bang! And then you go, ah! You better hope that train is not coming into the station because I have seen... In Tokyo and London, never in New York, believe it or not. Tokyo and London, where we have guardian angels. Jumpers. People jump in front of the trains. They're committing suicide. And they always sit on the platform and take their shoes off before they jump. I still haven't had any shrink uh, psychiatrist explain to me uh, that phenomenon. But I knew, I knew they were going to jump the moment I saw them sitting on the platform, their legs dangling over the platform, and they took their shoes off. But we weren't able to grab them before they jumped in front of the trains. But I digress. The number one issue now that has surfaced in the gubernatorial campaign here, which is neck and neck between Lee Zeldin and Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, is crime. And they're scrambling. And, in fact, if if Congressman Lee Zeldin becomes the governor, I'm doing everything I can to get him into the executive uh, mansion there in uh, Albany and uh, live in the uh, governor's mansion on Eagle Street. It's that, quite frankly, what he has got to be able to do is continue to talk about crime and the inaction of the Democrats. And the best person he has as a foil is Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. If if Lee Zeldin becomes the governor, he has, he has all to thank Eric Adams because the so-called law and order mayor has been a dismal failure. When you look at the analytics, just look at the analytics. There's more crime now in the first 10 months of the Eric Adams administration than at any point in the eight years of the dismal failure of Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor of the dope from Park Slope, who single-handedly took a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball and destroyed this city that we love. Never has there been crime like this in the Bill de Blasio administration. Eric Adams, first 10 months, through the roof. And Eric Adams, he's a manic depressive. You know, I think it's a result of uh, being out to the break of dawn and doing that blow at uh, Club Zero Bond. Or it's Adderall. It's Adderall because he has attention deficit disorder. Problem for Eric, if it is Adderall, hey, buddy, uh, the FDA has said there's a shortage of Adderall out there. So if you're not using Adderall, you may have to start using blow at Club Zero Bond. Whatever happens at Club Zero Bond stays at Club Zero Bond. But I digress. For instance, let's go a month ago where Eric Adams faced with this skyrocketing violent crime in the streets, in the parks, in the schools, and especially the subways. 
brought back, resurrected what he had said, remember, when the young Chinese woman was tossed in front of a number one train months ago at the Times Square station by an emotionally deranged guy who I actually had 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 conversations with that month before on two separate occasions on the Times Square shuttle. Just showing you how an emotionally disturbed person can flip from being cool, calm, and collected to suddenly having a psychotic disorder in which he pushed this uh, unsuspecting Asian woman in front of the train. It was a horrible death. And uh, Eric Adams then tried that whole perception routine. But this, he resurrected that, and a month ago he started again with it's all in our minds. It's just perception. We have a safe subway system. Transit police officers, they have done their job. What we must do is remove the perception of fear. Cases like this aggravates the perception of fear. Uh, when you see homeless individuals with mental health issues not being attended to and given the proper services, that adds to the perception of fear. And so what our battle is in the subway system is fighting the perception of fear. How can one person say perception so much, right? And it didn't fly then. It doesn't fly now. So what did Eric Adams do? We're going to pivot and shift. That's right. So he pivoted and shift and said, I got to show a lot more emotion. I got to show that, in fact, we should be celebrating the analytics of the crimes that are committed each and every day in a subway in which uh, three million people uh, ride and only few of them are actually victims of crime. Yes, we must deal with the six felony crimes that happen on our subway every day. But we have to celebrate the 3.5 million people that ride that subway every day and get to their place of destination with no problems at all. That didn't go over too well, did it? We're going to pivot and shift. So, had to try something else in a manic, depressive uh, way. What can we do? We don't have enough cops. So only three, 34,000 cops. I'll get into that momentarily. The depletion rate is uh, moving at an incredible pace, and the number of recruits graduating from the police academy and College Point is half the number needed. Well, we'll deal with that momentarily. And then they decide the way to suppress crime in the subways is to use our secret weapon. It's a woman you never see, the police commissioner of New York, Sewell. She's missing in action. She said she's not moving into the city, although contractually, when you become the police commissioner, you have to agree within the first six months to move within the city. Probably, in her mind, it's too dangerous to move into the city. I'm staying out here in Nassau County. Number two, remember, she, uh, she actually wanted to react to the growing crime in the subway. So last week, she and the uh, transit police commissioner, a man of no consequence, who should have been retired 20 years ago. I know the guy. Let me tell you. This guy is like, uh, you know Joe Biden? Okay, think Joe Biden. All right, so he's transit police commissioner, and they get on the subway at 53rd and Lex, where a guy had been surrounded by six gang members, all dressed the same. Not not the green uh, gula, uh, goblins, uh, the women, the female gang from the Queen's Ridge Projects. By the way, that's where... Uh, Police commissioner grew up, Sewell. So you would have thought she would have hunted them down. She said, hell no, I ain't going into that project. So she goes into the subways, 53rd and Lex. She looks at the point that a guy had been stabbed numerous times by this uh, six, uh, six-person gang of thugs, all of them dressed in black with black masks, black hoodies, black shirts, black pants, and black sneakers. And they got away. 
And she says, we're not tolerating this anymore. And then she gets on the number six train, right at 53rd and Lush. You know, the E train connects the Long Tunnel right there downtown. She goes one stop to 42nd Grand Central. And people were coming up to her and saying, what are you doing about the crime? What are you doing about the crime? And she looked at the transit police chief and she said, I'm out of here. And she left after one stop. What an embarrassment. What a disgraziata. What a shanda. So then Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, said, we got to do that to we're going to pivot and shift. See, well, you're of no consequence, but you got a good voice. You uh, you give good speeches. You know, uh, you learned a lot at the Toastmasters uh, seminar out there in uh, Garden City. You give a good speech. Let's use your voice to frighten thugs on the platforms and the moving subway cars of the city of New York. So all freaking week long, as you know, I'm on the subways morning, noon, and night. It's like a nightmare. I hear this resonating on the platforms and the trains. Hello, I'm NYPD Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell. New York relies on its subway system like no other city in the nation. And your NYPD officers are working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to keep it safe. Enjoy your ride, and thank you for choosing mass transit. Now I looked on the faces of the thugs. They didn't even blink an eye. They, it's almost like music. You know, you walk into an elevator, an office building that's half empty now in the city because of the crime, because of the subway crime. Uh, You know, if women don't come back to work because they're frightened of the subways, this city collapses. Uh, Without women, there's no nightlife, unless you like guys. And that's only like 10% of the population. So for the other 90%, if you're going to get people in the clubs, remember, first 50 women get in for free. Without the women, ain't nobody going clubbing, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. They're not going to restaurants. They're not going to gin mills. That did not work. So the mayor once again decided. We're going to pivot and shift. And they gave him an opportunity. Look, I lost to him fair and square in the mayoral election. I've known Eric Adams for more than 40 years. And he acknowledged that after the campaign. And sure, I didn't like the fact that the day he won the Democratic primary ranked choice voting that took a little bit of time, he called me a racist, a sexist, a masochist, a misogynist, and, uh, of course, a homophobe. That's, you know, that's they, they read right off a card. You're running against a Republican, you got to bring Okay, I don't take it personally. But I did something. I did something for Eric. I delivered this to City Hall on Friday I delivered this on a CD. I worked so hard to make this announcement work for both these moving subway cars and the platforms. And I I, I think, ladies and gentlemen, it's a winner. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. This is Curtis Lewa, as if you didn't even know. I am the sheriff of the MTA, the money-taking agency. Yo! The photo recognition technology. You're all on film. I'm going to know quickly if you're a criminal or not. Those guys who are trying to prove they don't have erectile dysfunction, put your three-piece set in your pants, you pervs. And if you try to commit the crime, whatever it is, I'm going to hit you so hard, your grandmother will feel the vibration. So... You want to deal with me? Or you want to just sit down, mind your own business, and get off of your stop, and don't bust anybody's chops? You see, better to Ludi, Ludicrous, right? 
Right? I mean, it works. That's how you're going to get the homies' attention. By the way, you notice I said grandmothers because they're all being raised by their grandmothers now. Uh, you know, need I connect the dots for you? So it's targeting. You know, like you target your message in advertising. They have these huge meetings. Target your message to the audience you want to hear it. Most of the grandmothers are raising these hoodlums now. Unfortunately, the grandma is stuck with them for a number of reasons. The moment they hear that, they're saying, that message is for me. Oh, yeah, man, that's that crazy white boy. I hope he ain't on this trainer platform. You see, it's, it's, it's a healthy fear they'll have. They'll be looking, looking behind them, looking to the side, looking up and down. Man, that crazy white boy, he'll be coming at me like a ninja. With that red beret and that red sateen jacket. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I got a hundred, hundred. Uh, translation, if you can't understand, uh, Ja Rule from Southeast Queens announced hanging, palling around with Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, along with French Montana, Coke Boy. Yeah, rapper, the guy who brings in keys. In fact, one time he had a key, and the guy sampled the product and said, yo, this is bogus. He said, no, man, this is good. This is Medellin cartel stuff. It, it should have the signature of Pablo Escobar. And they shot him right in the head. Unfortunately, French Montana survived. And now he's also a homie of Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. So Ja Rule in this uh, rap is saying, I got 100 guns, I got 100 clips. I'm from New York. I thought the message of the mayor is that he's pivoting shift. That's right, pivoting no guns, right? Was he hanging around with a gunslinger like Ja Rule and a coke boy like French Montana? And sampling the product. Well, let me say, I like the nightlife. I like to sample the product. Come on, man. I know what that means. I know a lot of you make whitey whiteys. You have no idea, but he's, he like laughing at you crackers. You got no idea what's going on. But then there was a man who had his chance at revenge. Raymond Kelly, the longest-serving police commissioner in the city of New York, and a man I consider my friend. I've known him at all different points when he was the police commissioner at the end of the David Dinkins disastrous regime. A man who came in in the midst of the Crown Heights riots when out-of-town Lee Brown, the police commissioner, was out of town. And he took over, and I mean, great police commissioner, knows the police department as well as anybody. And there was a time when Eric Adams was a white shirt, high-ranking member, house mouse, you know, precinct commander. And Ray Kelly was in a meeting of precinct commanders, many of them black and Hispanics. Eric Adams was the only one to come out of that meeting to say that Ray Kelly, then the police commissioner, had made racial comments. 
The other black and Hispanic members, men and women who were in that meeting, said, what the hell is Eric talking about? He made all that crap up. He made it all up. He tainted. He maligned. Just like he did everybody. You, you, you go at Eric Adams, you question him, and he calls you a racist, particularly if your complexion is not your protection. And even sometimes if you're black, he calls you, you know, a double-stuffed Oreo cookie and an Uncle Tom with an accent on the T. So anyway, Ray Kelly has been sitting on the sidelines, and he's pretty much been quiet. Man, he came out blazing this morning with John Katzmatidis. John always making news with his Sunday morning programs, 8 to 10. Sometimes back-to-back, belly-to-belly. It's like on an aircraft carrier. They keep coming in and landing, and all of a sudden, they go on to the New York Post website. They go viral all over the world. Daily Mail, you name it, Reuters. And this one blew up. So here's Ray Kelly, who knows how to run a police department in New York. Nobody questions that. He's talking about Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. And said we were the safest big city in America just a few years ago. So this is not brain surgery. You go back and look at the things we were doing then, and you re-implement them. But uh, apparently the mayor doesn't want to doesn't want to do this. Doesn't want to put back in anti-crime units. Doesn't want to. Uh, use the stop and frisk in a natural, normal way. We're going to pivot and shift. Remember in the campaign, Eric Adams, when I was campaigning against him, said it would be limited use of uh, stop, question, and frisk. There's been none of that. And he said that he would restore undercover detective units, which he has not done. They wear uniforms. Like, <laughs> what do you think? The thugs in the street don't know they're cops? Uh, it, it's got fluorescent patches on their uniform. It glows in the dark at night, right? You can see them from six blocks away on the back. NYPD. Yeah, that's a very effective undercover operation. Crime skyrocketing. And Ray Kelly talking about crime in the subway that is just unending, unending. Uh, the transit police, in my judgment, it has to be uh, the transit police bureau has to be looked at, reexamined, because when they were a separate police department, they had 4,400 police officers. Now, in the transit bureau, there's about 2,500. That's a major reduction. Uh, I, I would use some sort of outside entity to come in and take a look at the transit police, see what their manning level should be, see what posts should be covered. I think they need a, a fresh look at the transit system because we know the subways are the lifeblood of New York. People are still not going to get on them. You know, every day you read about a crime, and that just reinforces the notion that uh, it's too dangerous to travel on the subway. That's right. He's absolutely correct, but Eric Adams will never do that because, remember, he tainted Ray Kelly. He called him a racist. Uh, He's never apologized for that. I actually uh, teamed up with Ray Kelly when he was police commissioner against cybercrime. We did a video, PSA, that went all over the place. You know, I I think I'd sit down with Ray Kelly, and for free, because I'm not a crony of Eric Adams and his crew that love love to get the loot, love to get the loot. And advise him on patrolling the subways. Nobody knows it better than me. Come on. Whether you like me or you don't like me, nobody can question my subway cred. I was birthed in the subway. I was riding subway trains in 1960, 
at five years old on my own. And I've been riding subways ever since. That's not true of Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. I'll make that offer. Hey, you know, me and Ray Kelly, right? We can go into a consulting business in which we do it for free for the benefit of the city because without, as Ray Kelly said, a safe subway system, the city never recovers. The women will not come back to the offices 50% empty. We are the largest city with the slowest rate of recovery. Why? Not because of COVID, because of crime. The restaurants and bars are dependent on women. They are the number one customers of restaurants and bars. And by the way, you want to catch guys? How are you going to catch them without uh, the honeypots? Right? You're going to have all guys there drinking? Yeah, yeah, sure. 10%, like I said, like guys. What about the other 90%? And then clubs, like Eric Adams is always I'm the nightlife mayor. You don't have women in clubs or after-hours clubs? Man, that club is going to close. Bad line. What was that? The Oak Club there? Jay-Z's Club? Meatpacking District, man, they just padlocked that. He didn't pay his taxes, although I think he's a silent partner now, Jay-Z. He got out right in time. That used to be the hottest club. What, 40-40, right? Right, 40-40-60-60, whatever the hell he called that. Everybody wanted to go to the Meatpacking District. Everybody wanted to go to Jay-Z's club. There's no club life now because there are no women. They can't all afford Uber. Uber, Uber. What do you think, these women are independently wealthy? You know, maybe they have a guy who's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a super gold daddy. But no, no, that ain't cutting it. That ain't cutting it. So let me tell you uh, some of the crimes that have occurred in the subway. We had the Samurai Man, right? Samurai Man on Chambers Street. This is like morning, 9 a.m., Chambers Street, right in the heart of walking into the Wall Street area. And then all of a sudden, he sees another guy. By the way, this guy was was carrying around rice cookers years ago. He got busted for carrying around rice cookers in the subway because they thought he was a terrorist. He wanted to go, la bomba, la bomba, and blow up the subway system. So they're eye fornicating and mad-dogging one another. And all of a sudden, they pull out samurai swords. Samurai fight right there. Chamber Street. Not finished yet. What do you think the passengers were doing? Standing around filming it. You know, some ran, but some. Oh, this will go live at five, man. I'll I'll make a lot of loot on this one. (laughs) Meantime, samurai swords flying all over. Heads could have been chopped off. They finally caught the guy, right? He's Meshuggah. He's Ubats. All the furniture's upstairs, rearranged in the wrong rooms. You see the uh, disturbing video, Myrtle Wyckoff? By the way, that is the land of the hipsters and millennials now, where the M train meets the L train, where Bushwick meets Ridgewood. Oh, if you're a hipster or a millennial, let's meet at Myrtle Wyckoff. Oh, yeah. 
They sit right outside there in the plaza. They have their little their espresso, you know. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about life. Bernie, the Altacaca, Sanders, AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And while they're all standing around on the platform, this black guy who looks like he's trying out for the New York Giants as a linebacker, he's going up and down looking for potential victims. He drops his backpack, and then he goes, ah, boom, and he knocks the guy right into the tracks. Lucky that the uh, L train, the lousy line train, was not coming. But this is going on over and over and over. So in response, finally, Eric Adams has decided. Got to pivot and shift. Got to pivot and shift. So from uh, it being a perception of fear, now we're going to get to troops. Because I got to help Kathy Crime Wave Hokum. Because her and I were like a two peas in a pod, soup in a sandwich, horse in a carriage. Never has there been a better working relationship between a mayor and a governor in the state of New York. Normally, it's like mixing ammonia and bleach. I go back to the days of Nelson Rockefeller, Republican, John Lindsay, Republican. Forget it. They hated each other. Hated each other. How can we forget? Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I. By the way, you don't want to miss tonight when I return. From 9 to 12, I do a retrospective of the uh, return of Andrew Evilized Cuomo. And he made an appearance on the 5 o'clock roundtable show of John Katsimatidis on Friday. And he almost caused Judge Weinberg to have a heart attack. We're going to go into that. Why I had to give mouth-to-mouth resuscitation to Judge Weinberg, who was like collapsed when he heard what Andrew Evilized Cuomo did. Revisionism in terms of how crime was resolved in New York. Giving credit to David Dinkins. 2,000 murders a year, 5,000 unsolved shootings. And I'm like, Kumari Chich, Rudy Giuliani. Oh, you don't want to miss it. Oh, you don't want to miss it. No. Yankees are going to lose. I, look, I'm a Yankee fan. They're going to lose. It's over. As long as we have Aaron Boone, it's over. So uh, Sunday Night Football, forget about it. You want to hear me talking about Andrew Evilized Cuomo. Nobody goes at Andrew Cuomo better than yours truly, Curtis Lee. Going to get into that tonight. Another crime uh, right in my hood. Last night, my, my wife, she's walking around. She walks around. She goes into Central Park at night, Nancy. Her nickname is Lone Wolf One. She bays at the moon whenever there's a full moon. When they said there was a coyote, remember a coyote that somehow got down here from Yonkers, maybe went along the West Side Highway, Riverside Park. I don't know how it got into Central Park. But when it was roaming around, there was Nancy in the middle of the night giving out all kinds of coyote uh, sounds. She gives coyote sounds. And she, I had to schlep along with her. We're going through the rambles, and there are guys there that are <clears throat> pleasurizing each other. I said, Nancy, close your eyes. She found coyote tracks. Yeah, she, coyote tracks. How do you know there's coyote tracks? How do you know that? She gets down. She points. She, coyote. You know, like the days of Daniel Boone. So she's in Central Park. She walks all over the Upper West Side. It's 11 o'clock. And all of a sudden, this guy gets stabbed in the neck on the Upper West Upper West Side, Columbus 86, right? Left for dead. Moments after my wife had left that area. It's bad everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. It's really bad everywhere. And you know who it's worse for? Cops off duty. How embarrassing. Police officers off duty with their guns and their shields, whether they're going to parties, whether they're walking around. You notice they're getting held up and beat up. 
Remember that cop who was jogging up on Castle Hill in the Bronx and that gang came out of a car and beat the living daylights out of him? He was in ICU-ER at Jacoby Hospital for like a month. It was touch and go as to whether he would live or not. We saw it on video. Off-duty cop in his own neighborhood, Castle Hill. Then it was Hunts Point. Remember the guy, he's unloading his car. He's living in Hunts Point, right? You want cops to live in the neighborhood. That's Eric Adams. That's right. In the future, uh, with our depleted police department, I'm going to get into that momentarily. They're going to have to live in the five boroughs. They can't live and leave it to Beaverland. Father knows best little house on the prairie. Hell no. First of all, it's not affordable. First five years of a police officer's salary, you're living at home with mom and dad. You're a real mama look. You're sleeping on the Castro convertible in the living room because you're not making any money. There's no way to live. Wait. Yes, there is. Wait. Hold on. Let me. We're going to pivot and shift. Randall's Island, the tents. Right? Police officers or cadets going to college uh, point uh, to get their lessons to become police officers. Imagine at night. They go to Fantasy Island, right? You have Ricardo Montebom and tattoos. Hey, welcome to Fantasy Island. You come in that tent. Your police officer, you're only making 28500 a start. That's nothing. That's bubkis. And then all of a sudden, you have a flat screen, big TV. You got lounges. You got international cell phones that drug dealers have. Want to bet some of those Venezuelans are making deals while they're there? You got a hot and a cot, three meals, good meals. And then they take your laundry, and they hand wash it, and then they fluff it up, and they return it to you in a duffel bag. Does it get any better than that? 350 feet away is a men's shelter, and they're looking at that and saying, how the hell do I get into that tent? What do I claim I'm Venezuelan? I'm an American. I'm a veteran, right? I've, I've had, uh, you know, a few problems, alcohol, drugs, emotional issues. I'm living in a stinky shelter, and look at this. I never thought of that. That would be the place where the police officers, especially in their rookie year when they're going to College Point, they live in the tent in Randall's Island, which becomes Fantasy Island. See? You got you to gotta learn to. We're going to pivot and shift. Got to learn to pivot and shift. There's only 12 Venezuelans in that tent. It's cost us over a million dollars. Twelve! Oh, they are. All the Venezuelans were overwhelmed. Twelve. Twelve. Where, did, where did the rest of the Venezuelans go? And he wanted a billion dollars from Washington. Remember, I got to have a billion dollars. You know where that money would have went. Friends of Eric Adams. Whew. You get vertical. So here's this off-duty cop. And, uh, boy, was this embarrassing. He's never, he's only near Co-op City. You know, right near the Hutch. You get off the Hutch. You're right Co-op City, Brooklyn Expressway. Oh, I love Co-op City. No, I don't. I hate Co-op City. I'll tell you why. Not for the people that live there. Used to be Freedom Land there. Freedom Land was on the grounds of Co-op City before there was a Co-op City. It was the greatest entertainment amusement park of all time. Better than Disney World. Better than Disneyland. Better than Great Adventure. And a hell of a lot cheaper. They went to Freedom Land, and every night they burned down Chicago. It was great, and they put out the fire. You know, Elsie the cow kicked over the lantern. They recreated that every night. And then in a different field of Freedom Land, they would have blue coats versus gray coats. So they would have the cavalry of the Union versus the cavalry of the Confederacy, and they'd take out their sabers and charge. It was like $2.50. 
And then every night you got to vote for the Rheingold girl. You know, they bring up some girls from the five boroughs. Uh, who should be the Rheingold girl today? And at the end of the year, there was a competition for the Rheingold girl. They used to advertise it on posters in the subway system when it was safe. Oh, Freedom Land was the best. Spent a whole day, and then they brought in the World's Fair, 1964 Flushing, but they destroyed Freedom Land, so they knocked it down. And then all the Altacockers said, hey, you know, we're going to leave the West Bank. What's the West Bank? All the Jews lived along Grand, uh, Grand Concourse, and they said, we're going to Co-op City. Boom. They went to Bronx. So this cop is with a friend, and they're roaming around the industrial area of Co-op City. <clears throat> Hooker Haven. Uh, Hooker Haven. Uh, not suggesting they were looking for hookers. It's uh, Hooker Haven. But anyway, the undercover police officer and his friend are walking around, and all of a sudden these guys, they jump out of a uh, Mercedes-Benz, a Benz. Take the guns out, you loot or your life. And the cop gives it up quick. He gives up his wallet, he gives up his police badge. Well, where is his gun? How come he's not carrying his gun? Cop, cops, you better be carrying your gun 24-7-365. You know how humiliating this is? You get pimp slapped out there off duty. Four guys rob you at gunpoint in an industrial area in the shadow of Co-op City. I know what goes on in that industrial area. Oh, we were trying to find our car. We forgot where we parked our car. Sure you did. This is happening on a regular basis. And so naturally, the cavalry came to the rescue. Yesterday, Kathy Crimewave Holcomb and Eric Adams appeared at Grand Central. It was time to once again... We're going to pivot and shift. Now it was an all-out war against the rising crime in the subways. What happened to the perception? What happened to we celebrate? There were only six felonies a day. Could I have that again? We should celebrate six felonies, please, please. That's number one. Yes, we must deal with the six felony crimes that happen on our subway every day. But we have to celebrate the 3.5 million people that ride that subway every day and get to their place of destination with no problems at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was no celebration yesterday. Now it was war. We're giving everybody overtime. Cops, MTA cops. By the way, MTA cops. What's an MTA cop? They guard property. They're state police. They guard the yards of the LIRR, Metro North. Uh, they're basically slackers and deadbeats. Remember, Andrew Evilized Cuomo was supposed to hire 500 to stop fare evaders before the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020 and then forgot all about it, right? Hey, you know, I'm too busy uh, drinking my Medallia Doro every afternoon at 12 with my PowerPoint uh, presentation that's going to get me into the White House and sell all these books. They're on, like, triple overtime. They're standing on platforms. You know, it's like, what, for two weeks? You think we're all schmucks and putzes? We don't realize this is just to take us up to uh, November 8th to try to squeeze Kathy Crime Wave Hochul in. By the way, the big news, we broke it in. Breaking news, please. Breaking news for a third time here. we got to have breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. Got to do that because we had such a miserable newscast to lead into this. I got to make up for that. I don't understand this. I'm going to get into this in this next hour. Lee Zeldin has agreed to the New York One debate that he said he would not attend unless Kathy Crimewave Hoku would sit for five separate debates. At the last second, he has agreed. It will be at Pace University. It will be Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. 
Errol Lewis, no friend of Lee Zeldin. Susan Arbiter, no friend of Lee Zeldin. Like I said, this is like you're walking into a cage of hungry Doberman pinches with pork chop pants on. He must have internal polls that he's not going to get more than 30% in the city because this is where he can win the election. It's the only reason he must have agreed to go on New York 1 because obviously it's a citywide base. And by the way, the way he's been trending, I didn't need a debate. I, I got I to gotta try to re- reconfigurate this. Yeah, a little bit of political trichnology. <laughs> New York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I'd like to be able to, anyway, I'm, my mind's going blank now. saw the headline over the weekend. I don't know if the uh, president of the United States, Joe Biden, was talking to himself, whispering, but it was within earshot of somebody. Apparently he was saying, uh, my wife, Jill, won't let me leave the White House. My wife, Jill, won't let me leave the White House. Boy, this guy is really impaired. And he is descending uh, quickly. Everybody out there has probably had relatives just like Joe Biden, could be an uncle, could be a father, could be a grandfather. And you've seen these signs of dementia, of Alzheimer's. I mean, this, this guy's losing it. Like, every day it is so obvious on a world stage. And then I didn't understand why the DNC decided to fly the president into what he calls his home state. You know, I'm, I'm Scranton Joe. Joe Biden, and stand side-by-side with Fetterman, who didn't even say anything. I mean, it's like, here you have Joe Biden. You don't want him to say anything because whatever he says, he will misstate. Or, you know, when he has to get off the stage, he goes in the wrong direction and he looks lost. And then you have Fetterman that everybody wants to speak, and he didn't say anything like a sphinx because he can't. And he has a debate coming up on Tuesday night, the only one they're going to have with Dr. Oz, in which all the questions have to be written out and posted on a laptop so he gets to see what the question is and then answer it. Now, I don't care who you are. You may love the politics of Fetterman. You may love the hoodie. You may love the whole, you know, working class hero. You know, he's like Bruce Springsteen, sure. But the point being is, the guy's impaired. So... (coughs) Am I impaired? 
you know, I am 68. <clears throat> Could be getting to me. The curse of Joe Biden and Fetterman are upon me. Oh, no, that's right. I mentioned Bruce, who I hate, I loathe, I despise Bruce Springsteen. The trinity, the troika, the trifecta of attacks on me. Because he's hard. You know Bruce. Bruce would do a concert in a heartbeat for Fetterman and Joe Biden. No doubt. Probably right in Scranton or Pittsburgh. Definitely not Philadelphia because, uh, let's face it, the 18-wheel tractor trailers and the roadies would never be able to get out of Philadelphia alive. So forget Philly. Forget Chester, Pennsylvania. Harrisburg. Pittsburgh. uh, Or Scranton. Oh, it's really bad. When I saw both of them on that stage and I saw, saw that Fetterman was not talking, his wife was talking for him. When I saw that Jill, uh, the president's wife, was trying to guide him around, I said to myself, there's a precedent for this. But I, I don't think it works nowadays because in this media-obsessed society in which we know what somebody is doing almost 24-7, 365, There's no way you can hide this. Like, for instance, we hear Jill Biden. Jill Biden will talk on behalf of what I think even his supporters know is a president who is increasingly becoming more physically and mentally impaired to the point where he may not be able to function on his own soon. My husband tested positive for COVID. I talked to him just a few minutes ago. He's doing fine. He's feeling good. Uh, I tested negative this morning. I am going to keep my schedule. I am, according to CDC guidelines, I am keeping masks. Keeping her schedule, which is to be side-by-side with President Joe Biden, she has to guide him. And remember, she eventually herself got COVID-19. She herself got COVID-19. They're all masked up. You know, they're like the Sphinx. They have how many boosters? Like, uh, they got... In fact, they got bruises on their arms from all the boosters they've had. Yeah, they keep getting COVID. I'm trying to figure that out. Don't ask Dr. Fauci. Don't ask him any questions. He promised he's leaving January 1st. He won't torture any more beagles. He promised he crossed his heart, hoped to die. I don't believe him. And then, of course, there's Fetterman, who had a stroke, a very serious stroke. And in the few public appearances that he has made, oh, my God. He's stumbling and fumbling, and you can see he cannot process what you say to him so that he can then process a response. There is a blockage there, and I've known a lot of people with strokes. Some are able to recover. Others, it takes a long time. Fetterman, I don't think it's going to be an easy recovery, but he's going to somehow try to get through a debate on Tuesday night against Dr. Oz. I can't imagine how he does that. So if you notice, Mrs. Fetterman has increasingly been taking more and more of a role in protecting her husband, fending off the paparazzi and the reporters, and being like Joe Biden, oftentimes having to answer questions that their husbands are either incapable, can't, inept, or if they did respond, it might even create more doubts in the minds of the voters. Back on Friday, I noticed something was off. He didn't even want to go to the hospital. He didn't want to miss the events we had planned. But I insisted, and as usual, I was right. (laughs) And I'm so glad I made him go for two reasons. The first is that doctors were able to act quickly, and John is going to be back on his feet in no time. (laughs) 
And the second reason is that I now have one more thing I get to hold over him. I mean, I saved his life, right? I will never let him live that down. <laughs> she does have a hold over him. He can't function without her. As uh, Joe Biden has a hold over Joe Biden, he can't function without her anymore. And we've been through this before historically. We saw that with FDR in his last term in office, his fourth term. He was inept from the get-go. He got elected president, and he was just incapable of functioning. And they put together a patchwork quilt of different officials and Eleanor Roosevelt, who kept the govern, uh, government rolling. But remember, he, after getting elected for the fourth term, uh, he soon died thereafter. And as a result of that, people said, no more, no more endless terms, you know, two terms, term limits. But before that, there was a man who was now called a racist. You know, Princeton University used to be Woodrow Wilson University. No more. He's a racist. Take everything down, you know, and tribute to Woodrow Wilson. He used to go to New Jersey, right? Yeah, you know, well, we had Woodrow Wilson. That's right. Yeah, yeah no more. It's like, wasn't Woodrow Wilson here? No, 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 don't know him. You mean that Klan member? I hated black people. Yeah, no, no, not Woodrow Wilson. Princeton University has scrubbed all vestiges of uh, Woodrow Wilson off. No, I don't know what you're talking about. He didn't. He had nothing to do with Princeton. Nothing to do with Montclair State. Nothing, nothing with Monmouth College. Any college in New Jersey had nothing to do with Woodrow Wilson. He's persona non grata. But the interesting thing about Woodrow Wilson is he had pushed for the League of Nations. That was his baby in the aftermath of World War I. And he had gone over there and he had lobbied for the Treaty of Versailles. And... Uh, then all of a sudden, uh, upon returning, remember back then, there was no flights. You, you had a, we're on an ocean liner. The guy couldn't speak. He had a stroke. He was really in bad shape. Worse than Fetterman. Worse than Joe Biden. And immediately his wife, Edith, took the role of the president. She was the president of the United States, and she was serious as a heart attack. Even successfully pushing for the removal of the Secretary of State, Robert Lansing, after he conducted a series of cabinet meetings without Edith herself present. She did a Donald Trump. She walks in while he's having a meeting. You're fired! And nobody said anything. Nobody had elected her president. But it was understood. The nation, nobody wanted to let the nation know that the president was a vegetable. He could not function. That's why you need a free press. Without the press, they would keep everything hush-hush. And then all of a sudden, the British ambassador had a hissy fit, you know, with the United States because he didn't like what happened after World War One. And then all of a sudden, she threw him out of the White House. It's the British ambassador. Get the hell out of here. Don't you ever show your face in the White House again. Man, she ruled the roost. The hen ruled the roost, not the rooster. And this went on for about a year and a half. I mean, he was bedridden. He couldn't function. He was a vegetable. And the United States was being run by his wife. Some people actually said Edith was a much better president than her husband was. And there are accounts that, in fact, she was a hell of a lot stronger as the quasi-president than, uh, than Wilson was. In fact, according to historians, she studied every paper sent from the different secretaries or senators 
tried to digest and present in tabloid form the things that, despite her vigilance, had to go to the president. He had to sign the legislation. She would go to the bed. He's there. He's regurgitating on himself. He can't function. They didn't have the kind of medical equipment that they have now. She's moving his hand on the paperwork to basically put his signature on. That was in. What was that, 1919, 1920, right? That's a long time ago. That's 100 years ago. To a degree, if Fetterman gets elected in Pennsylvania, I see him deteriorating even more. Now, look, there are miracles. There are all of a sudden medical improvements. I I don't necessarily see that happen. So I think a vote for Fetterman, uh, regardless of your politics in Pennsylvania, is a vote for Mrs. Fetterman. And let's face it, with Joe Biden today saying, my wife doesn't want me out of the White House, she's ruling the roost. She's the shot caller. They may have had discussions. I'm, I'm extrapolating here that they might have had discussions about his impairment, which would normally be the case. I've sat in on those with my mother and father. When it was clear my father, Chester, was being impaired, he had uh, dementia, it was a very sensitive, delicate conversation. Trust me, my father was as strong as an ox. And you don't use, lose that when you're suffering the first wave of dementia. But I would bet you that they've had that personal up-close conversation about, Joe, you're forgetting more and more. You're more and more impaired. You know, the other day you fell down and had to pick you up, you know, Who knows? He might have that that alert pendant. I'm falling and I can't get up. He's really looking bad. I don't think there are enough drugs out there you can shoot him up with to give him, get him temporarily on track. And I would bet you that there's been a conversation, a serious conversation between Jill Biden about how she will assume more and more of the duties of the presidency of the United States just to get uh, Joe Biden through that first term. We know he's not serving a second term. He would never be able to. You can only stay in the basement so long in a campaign. The way he is, how the hell would he handle a debate? Whether it's Trump, round three, I hope not. For me, it's out with the old, in with the new. Joe Biden, go retire. Donald Trump, go back to Mar-a-Lago. It's time for new blood on both sides. But I believe we're starting to move in the direction of a Woodrow Wilson uh, moment. Look, Strom Thurmond, for years, Strom Thurmond, racist perv. The guy could barely think and chew gum at the same time. The Dixiecrat, who became a Republican U.S. Senator for life from South Carolina, you know, like Lindsey Graham. They they had a defibrillator right next to him, and they'd always had the defibrillator. He was ready. And the guy was grabbing female tuchuses all through the hallway in the Senate chamber. So a total perv. Shh, cover it up. Don't let anybody know. Drooling on himself. Can't do that anymore. Too many, too many scenarios that require that you got to be sharp, you got to be astute, you got to bring your A game. Look, you get elected, you get elected to bring your A game, not your D game. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, can I have the breaking news, please, sounder here? That's right, breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. Uh, we're the only program that could do this here on a Sunday afternoon. 
And then I'll do it again when I return from 9 to 12 tonight because uh, unexpectedly, at least uh, from my point of view, as he was cresting up, Congressman Zeldin, internal polls indicated he was actually inching ahead of Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. He had the momentum. She was on the down low. Has agreed to, to that one debate that he said he would not take unless there were at least four more. So I don't know strategically if this is wise of him since he was moving up without a debate. And why would you walk into an area of New York one with Errol Lewis, enemy of Sid Rosenberg? I mean, I know Sid is going to be going crazy in the morning tomorrow, 6 to 10. Him and Errol Lewis are at odds. Remember, I worked in New York one once a week with Harrison Barrero. Once a week. So I know what the atmosphere is like in New York 1. And I'm telling you, the deck is going to be stacked. It's a one-hour debate at Pace University Tuesday night at 7. So I guess you have to get two big-screen TVs or maybe uh, bifurcate it. You'll be watching Oz and Fetterman on 1 because they start, I believe, at 7. And then you've got Hochul versus uh, Zeldin uh, at 7 at Pace University New York 1. And my advice... uh, to uh, Zeldin would have been, hey, guy, you're already cresting ahead. You don't need a debate. Now you're going to be like a guy walking into a cage of hungry Doberman pinches with pork chop pants on. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Let's go, Brand. I can draw my comic hey, hey, let's go, Brand. Wow, you should have seen it. Second floor of Trattoria last night. Bell Boulevard in the heart of Bayside. The DJ, upon request of the crowd, the Whitestone Republican Club was playing this over and over. Man, they were raising the roof. Wow, let's go, Brandon. They love this song. They can't get enough of this song. And they had up in the air like they just didn't care, the Lee Zeldin for governor signs. They had some of the local candidates there. Oh, yeah, it was great. And, by the way, it was the birthday of Vicky Palladino, who is the spark plug in the city council. Man, she is hated by Democrats, but also hated by plenty of Republicans, and they're coming for her. And I made sure I got there in between shows yesterday when Anthony... My oldest son, to show her solidarity, that if you try to take out Vicky Palladino, you'll have to go through me, Curtis Lee, because I was the first to endorse her in the city of New York when Republicans said, if you endorse her, you'll never get the nomination to become uh, mayor of the city of New York. And you know what I said to them? Oofa! I ended up becoming a Republican candidate. Anyway, this woman has the most vibrant, largest Republican club, probably in all of New York State. I haven't been to all of them in New York State, but I've certainly been to the ones that exist downstate. And, man, that's a party crowd. They love their music. They love Let's Go Brandon. And they were out there in force yesterday, traveling from location to location on behalf of Zeldin Esposito. So they started out in the Irish Riviera out there in the Rockways, pack crowd. And then they finished up in Whitestone Park, even bigger crowd. 
And then they came to celebrate Vicky Palladino's birthday at Trattoria. And also um, bring out that uh, that vote for the rest of the uh, the rest of the candidates on the ballot, Republicans who are running hard and are trying to take advantage of the red wave. And I'm feeling it in the streets. I'm feeling, remember, there's eight Democrats for every one Republican. Only 8% of those registered to vote in New York City now consider themselves Republican. Uh, the second largest group are independents and unaffiliated. They double the amount of Republicans. Double. It's close to 22, 23%. And then the mass majority are Democrats. I mean, it's like uh, 78%, 80% Democrats. So it's a long way for Lee Zeldin to go to become governor in New York City. And it seems their total focus now is they know the battle must be won in the five boroughs. They're going to win upstate. They're going to win Nassau and Suffolk. Uh, It's a toss-up in Westchester. They may lose Erie County because Erie County... Home of Buffalo is the backyard of uh, crime wave Kathy Holcomb, and she's uh, she's considered the hometown girl there. But we'll see. But still, the majority of the votes for the gubernatorial uh, race are going to come from the five boroughs. Give you an example: 2016, Donald Trump unexpectedly wins the presidency of the United States. Even he was shocked. Hillary is still in that fetal position over at the Jacob Javits Convention Center. She hasn't recovered. So the Democrats didn't thought it was going to be a slam dunk. Two years later, Andrew evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta, Cuomo, King Cuomo I, is running for re-election. First, it was, remember, Cynthia Nixon, Sex of the City, who was challenging him. How dare you challenge Andrew in a Democratic primary? He, he whipped her pretty good. But she had the working families party line, and boy, he wanted revenge against them. So he wiped out almost all the third parties. The vengeance, blood vendetta. When he ran against Molinaro, who's now running for Congress in the Mid-Hudson Valley, Andrew Cuomo got 8 million votes. More people turned out to vote than any other gubernatorial election. And you say, well, what was special about that? It was a slam dunk for him against Molinaro. It was all an anti-Trump vote. It was 2018, two years later. People were so angry at Trump. They turned out in massive numbers. Now, what's driving them to the polls this time, midterm elections? Well, it's the Republican surge. It's inflation. You can't escape it. Everybody uh, sees it. And it's this rising crime rate that's not only taking place in the five boroughs. You saw it in Poughkeepsie. Family weekend in Maris. Who went to Maris? Our own Bill uh, O'Reilly. Others. The families stay there all weekend long. Beautiful campus right along the Hudson. This one family, along with other families, was staying at the Marriott Courtyard in Poughkeepsie. And a guy ends up coming out shooting 38 shots against his um, his bad hombre that was staying in the Marriott Courtyard. Nobody has yet explained how two homeless guys stay at the Marriott Courtyard, right? Somebody was paying for that, whether it's the state or Dutchess County, or the city of Poughkeepsie. Still, nobody is revealing. How are these two guys, who are making bombs, by the way, in their in their uh, Marriott courtyard uh, room, how the hell could they afford that? How come nobody wants to say anything? And then you saw what happened in Buffalo, Erie County, where a guy, a domestic abuser, was let out of jail. The wife knew he was coming for her.
She had a bulletproof vest. She goes, he's going to come. He's going to kill me. You got to remand him to jail. No, sorry. We don't remand people to jail. There's no cash bail. Tough noogies, you're on your own. And you know what he did? He shot a dead. So it's resonating all over the state from Buffalo to Brooklyn. Crime. And that's why you saw the overreaction yesterday of Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb with Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, giving every cop triple overtime, platinum overtime for the next two weeks. You're not going home. Uh, you're just going to sleep on a platform in the subway. You're going to be in the vestibule. You're going to be riding the train back and forth just for two weeks. We are going to deplete our treasury in the state and the city to try to guarantee that Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb becomes the next governor of the state of New York. Because their polls indicate that crime is surging and the anger of voters, Democrat moderates, the unaffiliated independents is surging, and it could be an unprecedented turnout of Republicans, meaning... Every Republican's got to turn out for Lee Zeldin. And that's why I don't understand. What did he agree to a debate? He could actually get hurt in a debate. I don't see how this helps him. And let me be specific, because I've looked at it from the inside looking out. I was uh, participating in those debates, remember, supporting Andrew Giuliani with his dad, Michael Mbaricic, Rudy Giuliani, when he was running against Lee Zeldin. And winning many of the polls, by the way, it seemed like it was neck and neck between uh, between uh, Andrew Giuliani and Lee Zeldin. Then you had the businessman, Wilson, who came in at the end. He just dumped millions of dollars in. Boy, it was like two scorpions in a grand, uh, brandy glass. Uh, Wilson versus Zeldin. They hated one another. In the debates, you saw that right out of the box. And then uh, Astorino, who had run for governor before, did relatively well against Andrew Evilized Cuomo. So it was a tough, bruising series of debates. I think they had three, the last one culminating on the stage in Rochester at the Kodak Theater. Packed. Newsmax uh, sponsored the debate. And remember, Lee Zeldin didn't do well in the debates. He didn't do well in all three debates. He just was able to get the vote out. He beat Andrew by about 20% because the county chairman, all 62 counties, endorsed him, and they were able to get their vote out. But looking back at those debates, he did not do well. The two who did the best were Andrew Giuliani and obviously Rob Astorino. If it was based on the debates, I don't think Zeldin would have been the candidate. But he's gotten so much better. Why would you put him in a New York One debate? It's only an hour debate. It's stacked against him. And if he loses his cool like he lost his cool three times in the Republican primary, three times I saw him lose his cool. I was in the green room at Channel 2, CBS, and he was, he was losing it. I think I can serve a role like the cut man in a fight. Slip him some liquid Prozac before he goes in. Make sure he's not schwitzing, that he's calm. It looks horrible when a guy loses his cool with a woman. It's, you don't do that. That's a recipe for disaster. And I guarantee you that Kathy Crime Wave Hochul's people now are going to want a ladder at the podium so she can climb a ladder because she is such a shorty short. She'll have to be looking up at Congressman Zeldin uh, when they talk to one another because I don't think she's just going to stare ahead. I think occasionally she'll look. And no candidate wants to be shorty short. It actually affects you negatively. If you're bald, it affects you negatively. You'd be surprised. People watch the debate. Oh, hey, it's a baldy. I'm not voting for him. 
Oh, that short guy over there. I'm not voting for him. How do you think the Blasio got elected mayor? Right, Big Bird? He was taller than all the other. Oh, he looks like a mayor. Yeah, yeah. The taller you are. John Lynch, he looks like a mayor. Huh? How stupid. But these aesthetics, there are coordinators, there are specialists who are going to be working over every angle, every detail for Tuesday night's debate. You know, the proper makeup. Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my video performance now. Remember, just filming from my right, not my left. Yeah, both candidates. But the big thing is, Kathy Crime Wave Hochul, the governor, is going to want to be on steps. This is what Alan Ladd did for years as an actor. Paul Newman did for years. Uh, Tom Cruise does for interviews when he's behind the podium. They have steps there. Except with Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, you'll need a ladder. Man, she is incredibly short. People don't realize that. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. And we return. Uh, we'll be taking your calls. I know I've been like a male yenta, but before I leave you at 5 to come back at 9, <laughs> i got to give you an update on that Mama Luke Frank Morano who was down at Columbus Park in Chinatown playing Baccarat with 500 Chinese, the degenerate gambler that he is. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect the policies or positions of WABC Radio, its management, or its sponsors. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. You got to win the whole I mean, think of it. You gamble in the stock market. You gamble with the Bitcoin bandits and the cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers. You gamble, right? It's NFL Sunday. You gamble. Uh, some of you will gamble on the Yankees tonight. Don't even bother. It's it's over. It's, I, I'm a tried and true Yankee fan. We're going to be talking about that Mama Luke Frank Morano. Who thought he could beat 500 Chinese in Columbus Park in Chinatown in Baccarat? What a stunad. They took him for every nickel, dime, and penny he had. But right now, let's go to the phones. It's Mark who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mark. Yeah, Curtis, I, I just think one thing. If you didn't win um, uh, over there in, uh, in the city, Zeldin's not winning there for sure. No question. Well, Mark, understand, uh, the candidate I ran against, Eric Adams, was running as a law and order moderate Democrat. Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb can't lay claim to that, and crime has actually gotten worse, much worse in the last year. He's got a much better chance, Mark, of getting more than 30%. If he gets more than 30% of the New York City vote from the five boroughs, he will be the next governor of the state of New York, Lee Zeldin will be. I mean, I got, Mark, I got 28% of the vote. In fact, when you counted the paper, it was about 29%, so almost 30 I won the Asian vote, first time a Republican candidate uh, ever won the Asian vote. So he's working off of that. He'll get more Latinos. 
He'll get many more upset African-Americans, West Indian, Caribbeans, because it's twice as bad as it was last year. Anyway, let's go to Liz, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Liz. Uh, Two things. My grandfather was governor of New York, conservative, and he ran against Woodrow Wilson and lost because of the uh, liberals in California. Otherwise, he had thought he was president. And my mother was on the balcony with uh, her uh mother and they were all waving they saw they had won and california wrecked them mm, mm. so i just thought he's like a little right but, but you can you, you imagine as uh, much as the press uh, focused on elections back then not as intently as they do now not as intently as they do now now if the president uh, he misses a beat they're all over it it's viral Back then, they could hide. Look, FDR, who knew he was in a wheelchair? Who knew that FDR had polio and was in a wheelchair? The nation didn't know. The press kept that from us. Now, would it have made a difference back then? Hell yes. He would not have been elected president of the United States. It's a tremendous prejudice uh, back then. My father told me of people who were suffering from polio and people who were in wheelchairs. A lot different than the way things are viewed now. So uh, he would not have been elected president of the United States. There is no doubt about it. Let's go to Tom in Rockland. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Hey, Curtis. I have a question that's been bothering me for about 60 years. Uh, And it doesn't seem to be political. Uh, First Trump and now Biden, what are they afraid of? They don't want to release the Kennedy assassination papers. What are they afraid of? You see, that's why uh, I have to give props to Frank Morano, who does the best interviews here at WABC, bar none. Uh, his, uh, the Other Side of Midnight, uh, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5, he's had on Roger Stone, who wrote a book about that. He blames uh, LBJ. I would side with that. Uh, LBJ was nefarious. LB, LBJ was like, uh, you, could, you might as well have called him the sixth family of organized crime, the way he ran uh, the Democrats uh, down in the South. But then again, there are other points of view, you know, the uh, the single bullet theory, uh, other theories. Uh, Arlen Specter, who is a very dear friend of mine. Interesting story about uh, Arlen Specter. Arlen Specter invited me to speak to the U.S. Senate about crime years ago uh, because I had guardian angels in New York City and in Philadelphia. He had been the former DA. Uh, he was a Republican, Republican Senate. I got along well with him. The one who should have invited me was the junior senator of New York, Alphonse Alley Boyd D'Amato, who said, I am not inviting him to the Senate. So when he found out, Alphonse Alley Boyd D'Amato, that it was Arlen Specter who invited me to speak uh, to a commission about crime back then, because crime was out of control because of crack cocaine, he went nuts, Tom. He went absolutely nuts. I, 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 guys I, are dead now, or almost dead. I, I'm going to tell Frank, who does an incredibly great job in dealing with the JFK assassination, the papers, and the competing theories. Tom is not satisfied like a lot of people. I know that our own owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, is not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. Uh, one thing I can tell you for sure, on the morning of the Indiana primary in 2016, it was citizen Donald Trump 
running against Ted Cruz, who said he, God told him he had to run for the presidency. I don't understand. They all they have conversations with God. God never returns my calls. Ted Cruz sat in a Baptist church in Houston with his father, who is a holy roller pastor, and his wife, and they prayed and they prayed to Jesus, Jesus. And after two hours, Jesus appeared to Ted Cruz and said, you must run for president. I don't know after how many shots of vodka or rye or whiskey, but whatever. So Ted Cruz is neck and neck. Remember, the Indiana primary was neck and neck, and so was the rest of the primaries. It, it, was, it was either going to be Trump or Ted Cruz, who was going to be the nominee in Cleveland that year. And remember that morning, Donald Trump did interviews and said, Now, I'm reading it here in the National Enquirer. I'm not saying it's so. But Ted Cruz's father assisted Lee Harvey Oswald in assassinating JFK. I'm not saying it. The National Enquirer is saying it. Ted Cruz, remember, would not acknowledge the nomination of Donald Trump in Cleveland. He would not. People booed him. So you got to acknowledge the candidate. You lost fair and square because of that. And yet all of a sudden, months later, he's shaking the guy's hand. He's campaigning for him. He disparaged your father. He said your father assisted Lee Harvey Oswald in the assassination of JFK. And what were his footnotes? The National Enquirer. I wouldn't have looked at Trump after that. You know how these politicians are. They're whores. Come on. They forget. You know what? They do that. They do. You know what they do? They do what Eric Adams always talks about. We're going to pivot and shift. He pivoted and shifted and became the very dear friend of Donald Trump, Ted Cruz. Loathsome. Now he wants to run for president again. He's probably going to go in that vestibule in that same Baptist church in Houston, Fifth Ward, get down on his hands and knees with his father, who's a pastor, and his wife, and wait for Jesus to tell him he should run. Bull feathers. Anyway, let's go to Kathy in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kathy. Curtis, I just wanted to tell you, did you hear an update about that, oh, the dog moose's owner that I heard she spotted the guy? She thought she spotted him the other day, and she chased him or something. I heard. I don't know. I heard that, but that I heard that like kind of through the grapevine. The park. No, 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 no. You're, you're absolutely right, Kathy. This is Moose, the Irish Terrier, who was savagely beaten uh, near the picnic house in Prospect Park, the most beautiful of the many beautiful parks in New York City. That's my favorite. Uh, this homeless, uh, emotionally disturbed guy with uh, dreadlocks and a staff tried to hit. Jessica, who had raised uh, Moose, and Moose uh, took a stand. He would not retreat. He fought off this guy, and he got hit a few times with the staff. Ultimately, internal injuries took his life. Had a horrible, horrible death. Suffered that dog. And we're going to give you an update on what happened uh, on Friday, but we're going to save that for the animal welfare hour tonight because my wife is the expert. She's handling our guardian angel patrols there to protect women and protect the dogs as this crazy guy, this emotionally disturbed guy, is still out there. The Adams administration doesn't want to deal with it. The local uh, city council person says, don't call 911. The cops won't deal with it. So it's left to uh, the guardian angels and the woman herself, Jessica, who apparently 
took the law into her own hands on Friday, and I cheer her. But I'm not giving you the details right now. You see, you're going to have to listen tonight between 11 and 12. You better listen. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to, um, oh, let's go to Rick, who's calling from Elmwood Park. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rick. Hey, Curtis, I'm trying to save millions of animals' lives by killing this global warming climate change scam once and for all. And you mentioned Rochester earlier, so I just thought you might you might like this little bit of information. Rochester Democrat, that's a newspaper, December 17th, 1939, glaciers melting over Greenland. Let me give you another one. Janesville Daily Gazette, December 5th, 1903, glaciers disappear. The ice in Greenland is melting more rapidly than it's formed. Matt K. Daily Mercury, April 7, 1923. North Pole melting. Auckland Star, December 14, 1940. Warming Arctic, disappearing ice. So I assume uh, from uh, all these footnotes you're giving us that uh, you are not a believer in global warming climate change? It's CO2-caused catastrophic anthropogenic global warming. And it's not true at all. I can prove CO2 does not control the temperature of the Earth. Well, I must disagree with you. I believe in global warming, climate change, and that's why we need trees. That's why we need places like Prospect Park. Uh, when I was running for mayor, people looked at me. I said, I want to increase the park's budget from 1% to 2%. They said, you're not a liberal and progressive. Why do you want to increase the budget? Eric Adams said, well, we need more trees. Trees, photosynthesis, right? Take take all the CO2, and then they turn it into oxygen. Remember, a tree grows in Brooklyn. I'm still looking for that tree. I'm like Diogenes, that crazy philosopher from Greece who used to sit in the tub of his own feces, who would say as he would walk about the streets of Athens at night with a lantern, I'm looking for one honest man. He never found it. I'm looking for that tree that grew in Brooklyn. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. This is the call of Atlantic City to Frank Morano, the degenerate gambler here at WABC, oftentimes can be found at the uh, craps table at the Borgata. Snoring, snoring, snoring. The biggest snorer in talk radio. You know, the Giants in talk radio years ago, Bob Grant, the king of talk radio, Barry Gray, Barry Farber, they were the big snorers, but replacing them is Frank Morano. And now he has an obsession, ladies and gentlemen. That's why you want to listen to The Other Side of Midnight, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. He uh, had fallen in love with Tulsi Gabbard, no doubt about it. You know, with a little white streak in her hair. and He opined for her. We played his cut, his tribute to Tulsi Gabbard that went on for like eight minutes. We, we would actually play a little bit in the other side of midnight. Did I do the better side of the other side of midnight? 
Saturday mornings from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning, and then Sunday, so nice I do it twice, 12 midnight to 6 to the break of dawn. And I just kept playing. He was opining to Tulsi Gabbard, opining. She won't even do an interview with him, won't even give him any play. God, he's like in puppy love. And now he's got a new obsession. Selena Gomez. Yeah, Selena Gomez is in that hit cable show, you know, right down the block from me. 500 feet where the guy was stabbed in the neck on 86 in Columbus last night at 11. My wife had walked by there just moments before on her way to uh, to do wolf calls to the moon in Central Park. Yeah, yeah, she's into that. Her nickname is Lone Wolf One. She loves wolves. But down the block from us, between Broadway and Amsterdam, there's this huge edifice, this apartment building where Selena Gomez... And a number of uh, thesmians do this uh, successful cable show. And Frank Morano has actually sat out there in a lawn chair with a sign, Selena, will you do an interview with me? And she disses and dismisses the guy. Claims to security that he's stalking her like he stalked Tulsi Gabbard, the congresswoman, when he went to Hawaii, right, and hit every tiki bar, got just completely smashed in the face, drunk, searching for her. I told him. She's a Hindu. Go to an ashram. He went, wah, wah. But anyway, that's a side obsession. Like when you have a side hustle, his real obsession and his addiction is gambling. And he was spotted. You might have seen that huge piece in the New York Post. They had a drone fly over Columbus Park, which is in Chinatown, in the back of 100 Center Street. The court building and the tombs, which they're ripping down now. 500 Chinese under tents were playing Baccarat. And there was only one Howie, one white boy there. And it was Frank Morano who thought he could beat 500 Chinese in Baccarat. Hey, Frank. Uh, you know, I'm a very big James Bond fan. And uh, he's always playing Baccarat. And I know you're a Baccarat player. And whenever I see Sean Connery playing Baccarat, I think of you. And I was wondering, how difficult is the game? And is the object of the game to get as close to nine as possible? And have you ever been at a table with a real high-stakes game and walked away with a huge amount of money? Uh, Baccarat is the easiest game in the world. I don't even like to tell people how easy it is because I enjoy, when I'm at the Baccarat table, being the only person that's not Chinese because a lot of Western non-Asian players are intimidated because there's a lot of Chinese players there and they're all speaking Chinese to one another and they have dragons and monkeys and they have a big board and people think it's a complicated game. It's not. It's almost the equivalent of betting on a coin toss and uh, it's it's difficult for me to explain without a visual cue, but the way it works is there are two, and there are all sorts of bets you could make. There are only two bets that I make, banker and player. Now, you have to pick which hand, banker or player, is going to be closer to nine. So it really is like betting on a coin toss. Um, tens and picture cards are zero. So if you get a nine and a ten, let's say, they call that a natural nine. If you get... Uh, a 10 and an 8, that's a natural 8. No more cards. Now, if it's anything less than, uh, I think, a, a 6 for the, uh, a 6 or a 5, 
then, or excuse me, a six or a seven, then they draw a third card, but the rules are still the same. Whoever is closest to nine wins. So you're betting, basically, is it going to be A or B that's closer to nine? Um, but I, I've done well. I, I mean, I, it's not unusual for me to p- play Baccarat and win thousands. My last trip to uh, to Atlantic City, I don't want to get into exactly how much that I, I won, but I played mostly Baccarat and, and won a, a pretty healthy amount of money. Yeah, some of those uh, 55,000, 85,000 IRS agents are going to be following him. Well, apparently he did very well. The drone flew over the crowd of 500 uh, Cantonese, some Mandarin. And you can see Frankie as a mullet now, you know, that goes back to the 90s. Remember that hairstyle where they shave the sides and you have a mullet? He's got a mullet now. He blended right in, like from the Boxer Rebellion days. Remember the sand pebbles? Yeah, he looked like... And he, he won, according to the tongs that we know down there. We patrol Chinatown. He walked away with $8,500. $8,000. better believe he didn't report it to the IRS, you know, for a little carmine. Then he goes on this rant about it's the worst possible addiction that you can have. From where I stand, gambling is almost the worst addiction to have, Right. Because whatever your addiction is, let's say you're an alcoholic, you stop drinking, you, you get drunk at some point, right? And presumably when you get drunk to the, uh, and you vomit or whatever you, happens when you get drunk, you at least stop drinking for a little while. Meaning maybe it's an hour, maybe it's two hours, maybe it's six hours, you stop drinking for a little while. If you're a drug addict, you stop shooting up once you get high. Then you look out, you look and for an opportunity to get high again. But at least you stop doing drugs for a little while. When, if you're a sex addict, you stop being compelled to have sex, at least for a little while, once you climax, right? What? What is he, Dr. Ruth? Now he's, now he's a sexologist, Dr. Ruth? This guy, he's like an expert on all these fields. Yet he admits the worst addiction to shake out of all those. Drinking, drugs, sex. Remember, sex, uh, that was uh, Tiger Woods. Remember, Tiger Woods had to go for sex therapy. Uh, Boggs, remember the third baseman? Remember, he was on Phil Donahue's show. He said, oh, uh, addicted to sex. Wow. How does Frank know all that, huh? How did he become an instant expert? One thing we know he's an expert on, drinking six martinis before midday every day. And gambling. But he cheated on the Borgata. Normally on the weekends, he's at the crap tables at the Borgata because, you know, he brings in customers. He talks about it. You know, uh, all of a sudden, they give him an old pair to take care of little Carmine. His wife gets the shop till she drops, you know, an expense account. Buy whatever you want, right? Frank's luring in these suckers for us. Cheated on the Borgata. He didn't go to Atlantic City this weekend. He's in the tents these are not the tents on Randall's Island. These are the tents constructed by the Chinese Tongs who are running illegal gambling operations in the open. And nobody's doing anything about it. So the cops won't do anything about it. The Eric Adams administration won't do anything about it. The elected officials down there are scared for their life. So they call me this morning and say, we want you to close it down with the Guardian Angels. So I got to take on the Tongs. Well, I'm up for it. 
anything to bust the, the stones of Frank Morano. By the way, when you come back tonight, I'm going to talk about all the pop-up stores all over the five boroughs and in the suburbs, and they're dealing reefer openly in the face of officials. They're telling him, we're not giving you any tax revenue whatsoever. Even though the sale of the recreational use of marijuana in New York State is illegal, it's also illegal in New Jersey. You have to get it from a state-licensed distributorship. They're well ahead of us. They have about 22 of those uh, open and operating. We have nothing here. Pop-up shops galore. And I'm going to give you an idea of what goes on in these pop-up shops because the city is saying, we'll padlock you. They're making money hand over fist. They don't care. Look, they just padlocked Jay-Z's club there in the meatpacking district. You think he cares? He made his loot. He's on the loose. And then, of course, we'll tell you about the ongoing saga in honor of Moose. Moose, the Irish terrier who stood his ground in Prospect Park to protect Jessica, who was under attack by... By the uh, emotionally disturbed uh, guy with the staff that the cops won't arrest, the community can't figure out what to do, the city council person says don't call 911, and the Eric Adams administration has said, you think we got bigger problems to deal with like crime in the subway? Suddenly he's decided that it's time. Suddenly he's decided that it is time to. We're going to pivot and shift. And now there's a crime emergency in New York City from uh, the perception of crime in the subway to the reality, to the 19 days, the sprint, to November 8th, to a decision uh, by Camp Lee Zeldin that they would debate Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb at Pace University. It'll be on Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. New York One hosting it. I am uh, telling uh, Lee Zeldin I'm going to try to reach him today. Lee, that's like uh, walking into a hungry cage of Doberman pinches with pork chop pants on. Be careful. And, of course, that's the same night that uh, it's Oz versus Fetterman only debate. Probably uh, the mass majority of Americans will be watching that debate. And, uh, boy, we've been deprived this election cycle. We're lucky to get out of these can- candidates one debate, right? Whoa, hey, it's like pulling teeth. What happened to Lincoln Douglas, they had seven debates. Abraham Lincoln, Stephen Douglas, seven debates in Illinois for the U.S. Senate seat. Lincoln lost that, went on to become president. Douglas won the Senate seat. And both of them survived the process. Why can't you guys and gals just debate, 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 debate?